We do begin a, a new series today, Drivers. Maybe you saw it on uh, social media. Maybe you've seen the poster hanging in the hallway. Uh, drivers for longings that drive every human life. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. You know, we have several hundred people here today, and you've seen the title, The Quest for Spirituality. Now, for some of you, wow, that, that sounds interesting. That sounds cool. I've been looking for that. Some of you may be thinking this. I know you. Some of you are thinking this. I don't need that. I don't need a quest for spirituality. I am a Christian. I know Jesus. I gave my life to Christ. I am born again. I walk with Him. I don't know how to think about a quest for spirituality. That sounds kind of amorphous and in the clouds. Hang with me. Some of you may be thinking in response to this, I'm disappointed with God. I'm angry with God. Yeah, I, I think I know God, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm not doing real well with God right now. I'm disappointed in Him. I'm angry with Him. Some of you may be doubting His existence and His goodness and His grace and mercy. Some of you are genuinely energized by a search and a quest. You may be seeking and curious. You want to know more. We're all in different places, aren't we? And God knows that. He knows your heart. This may be your first time at Highlands. Maybe you've been here for many, many years. We're all at different places. But I want to read a passage this morning that I think, I hope, I pray, but I really do think will speak to every single one of us, no matter where we are today. No matter where you are on this quest, this is a a, a wonderful passage that will speak to you. Why? Because this passage, as many of you know, if you've looked looked at it already, this passage speaks to our deepest, deepest longings and desires. In addition, it speaks to our greatest struggles. And most importantly, it gives honest answers. It doesn't give platitudes. It doesn't say, cover up your ears and go blah, 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 don't think about it. This is a passage of the Bible that will speak honestly to every single one of us, no matter where we are on this journey, on this Quest, deepest desires, greatest struggles, honest answers. Isn't that what we all want? Isn't that what we're looking for? Let's read the passage, Psalm 42. Now, many of you know, uh, Psalm 42 and 43 were originally written as one passage of Scripture, one psalm. In the interest of time this morning, I'm just going to read Psalm 42. Beautiful, wonderful passage of Scripture. Hear the Word of God. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. Oh God. 
My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon and Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Notice how the psalm begins by addressing the language of longing, the language of deep uh, desires. This psalm essentially, look, there, there, there are many ways we could think about answering this question, the search for spirituality. What are we looking for? Why are we looking for it? Where are the signposts? Where do we go to find it? We're actually going to pull the veil back and watch somebody on a, on a quest for spirituality. We're going to pull back the curtain, pull back the veil, and watch somebody do it in the Bible. And you see at the very beginning this emphasis on longing, desires, a dear pants, pants my soul, my soul thirsts for God. I pour out my soul. What do you long for? What do you want more than any? Thing else. In John chapter 1, there's a group of men and they've heard John the Baptist's message and they're very intrigued with Jesus and they start to follow Jesus, literally listen to his teaching and follow him down the road and Jesus wheels around and asks them that very question. What are you seeking? What do you really want? This next illustration, I just have to admit it, it's an evidence of a misspent youth. I grew up in Dallas and I was at a concert. I won't go into all the details, but I went to concerts every weekend. And I saw everybody. 
And I'm one of those people with somewhat of a dramatic testimony. I, I need to tell you about it sometime. But I remember these words being sung once years and years ago as I was wrestling with these very kinds of questions. See if you can pick it up. I was tempted to get them to play it behind me. I'm not going to sing. Just read the words. Here they are. I have climbed the highest mountains. I have run through the fields. I have run, I have crawled, I have scaled these city walls. I have spoke with tongues of angels. I have held the hand of the devil. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Anybody know that? I, don't hum it. Just You know the tune. It's in your, I still, if you don't know it, ask somebody on your row later. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. What, what perfect way to kind of summarize this psalm. I still haven't found, and the refrain over and over and over. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I went here, I went there, I tried this, I tried that. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Where... Do I find it? This language of desire, language of law. We all have it. A man named Jamie Smith wrote a book recently. It's called You Are What You Love. And he gives a little illustration in there of a, of a classic movie. Not a lot of people have heard about it, but it's kind of a cult classic. There have been books written about it. It's called Stalker. Mm. Stalker, 1979. And what's fascinating about this movie and the books and essays and all kinds of articles written about it is it gets right at this very question. This man has some friends and he tells them, their professor and writer, he says, look, I know a place where dreams come true. And I can take you there. I know a place where your deepest longings and desires will come true. And I can take you there. And then he goes on to say, it's in the zone. And inside the zone is the room. And as soon as you enter the room, the room reveals your deepest desires. And of course, initially, wow, that's wonderful. That's great. Reveals my deepest desires. Gives me my deepest desires. Isn't that wonderful? But what if we don't know what our deepest desires are? What if we're not sure what our greatest and deepest longings and desires are? What if we're conflicted? That's okay. The room will reveal it. Ready? Who wants to go first? I don't. Would you go into a room that immediately revealed who you are on the inside, on the outside for everybody to see? What do you really want? You know, we may want the right things. We may want the wrong things. We may be confused about our deepest longings and desires. We may even be dishonest and know, look, we, may be, we know how to say all the right things, but what does your heart really desire? Hunger and thirst for. We all have these longings and these, these desires, and that's how the psalmist starts. But secondly, our greatest struggles, it addresses our our deepest longings, our deepest desires. He begins that way and then he moves on to greatest struggles. My tears have been my food day and night. I don't know if you can relate to any of this. I think you can, though. 
no matter who you are. I remember when I was converted. I remember when I became a Christian. I remember the enthusiasm with which I embraced Christ and the change in my life that came about in my life. And I remember the sense that how how much better this is going to be and how much more wonderful it's going to be. And it was. Being born again, becoming a Christian, seeing Christ, knowing Christ, walking with Christ. And then, over the years, life happens. And yes, we walk with Christ, and yes, we know Christ, but hard things happen. Difficult things come along. And notice what what this writer is going through. He has this longing. He wants to know truth. He wants to know God. But in the midst of this, as he thirsts and hungers and wants to know God, there's there's a dryness. Christian. Have you ever experienced this? A dryness in your walk with Christ. An up and down. He's experiencing that the picture here is a, a deer panting for water going back to a stream bed that he often goes to and it's often bubbling and it's all dried up. It's gone. And that can come as a, a shock, particularly to new Christians or young Christians. He's dry spiritually. He's panting. He's one. But, but, but not only that, he's going through some disillusionment. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you downcast within me? And then people on the outside saying, so where's your God? He's experiencing a dry time. Ever experienced that? He's disillusioned, you could say, emotionally or psychologically. And people are taunting him. Where's your God? Where's your God in this? He talks to himself. Why, my soul, are you downcast? This is even affecting affecting him physically. My tears, as we just mentioned, my tears have been my food day and night. He seems to be having trouble eating or sleeping. Anybody have that in life? Yes, you do. The Bible's being honest with us here. Spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, physically. He's, he's struggling in almost every way. So he's longing, he's desiring, he's wanting answers. And yet all these struggles of real life, real between Sunday's life, are, are upon him. So what's he going to do? What's he going to do with this? How do you resolve this? How do you bring this together? And here's where, if you've, if you've been asleep, wake up now. I want you to see what he does. This is, this is huge. What does he do? He's longing, he's desiring, he's looking, he's struggling, he's living real life. What does he do? Where does he go? What, what does he do? Let's get real practical here. The first thing he does, just a couple of things, several things, and I'll move through them quickly, but please notice he examines his hopes. In other words, he talks to himself and asks himself, why are you downcast? What am I putting my hope in? What am I staking my life upon? What do I want more than anything else? He takes, makes an account of that. 
He evaluates his heart with regard to that. He examines his hopes. Where is my hope? Where is my hope? And he says, put your hope in God. Are you putting your hope in something that will fail you? Something that will break your heart? Something that will disappoint you? C.S. Lewis once said, the world is so built that to help us desert our own idols, they usually desert us first and inevitably break our hearts. He examines his hopes. What am I putting my hope in? You can do that no matter where you are, no matter where you are as a Christian or, or not a Christian. But the second thing he does, he pours his heart out to God. He pours his heart. You can see it from beginning to end. God, where are you? God, I want you. God, come. I want to be in your presence. I want to know you. He pours his heart out from where he is. Not from where he thinks he should be. He doesn't clean himself up in order to come into the presence of God. He speaks to God from where he is and he pours his heart out. You can do that. You can do that today. What am I putting my hope in? Pouring your heart out to God. I I don't like where I am or I'm struggling or... Um, I need you, and I keep hitting dead ends, and I want more in my life, and I need to know the truth, and I want to drop my weapons, and I'm tired of fighting. I want more. I want what you have for me. He pours out his heart to God. And then he reminds himself, he goes on to remind himself of God's promises. You know, one of the things that we need to do, particularly for those of us who have who have known God in Christ for a number of years, he remembers what God has done for him in the past, how God has been faithful to him in the past. It's as though he he grabs his heart and says, listen, heart, I need to remind you of God's promises. And he says, God is my life. God is my rock. God is my savior. He reminds himself of what God has done, God's faithfulness to him in the past, and the promises that God has made to him. You can do that. You can do that, no matter where you are. Uh, St. Augustine once said, "With, With God is the fountain of life, a fountain that can never dry up. God has everything that will refresh you, and he is able to fill Anyone who comes to him. And he is able to fill anyone who comes to him. He, he goes on to say, he is what you are thirsting for. And then finally, and then finally, he realizes the the whole goal of the writer of this psalm is to be with God's people is to be fellowshipping and worshiping with God's people. He recognizes that he can't do this by himself. He can't do this alone. He needs help. He needs the family of God. He needs the body of Christ. And I will be so bold as to say, 
You can never know Christ or grow in Christ the way you're designed to apart from his people. You will never know Christ or grow in Christ the way you are designed to and for apart from his people. We need each other. We need to be members of the body. Yes, I mean, just look at us. We're a mess. We're full of sin and we've got all kinds of issues. Come join us. You've got issues too. His goal is to be walking and worshiping and fellowshipping with God's people. He examines his hopes. He pours out his heart. He reminds himself of God's promises. And he seeks God's people. He seeks community. Hopes, heart, himself, and community. You can do that. You can do all of that today. Now, as we prepare to to come to the table this morning, I want to close with an illustration from a, a biography of a man that I've recently been reading who actually saw himself as standing in the line of the sons of Korah. He, he was a, a, a temple musician. He was a church musician. He saw his calling to give glory to God through and with his music. And he steeped himself uh, in the Bible. And he would write on his musical scores, to God alone be the glory and help me, Jesus, as I seek to make music for you and for your glory. But ultimately, the point is not about the music. Music is subjective. People like all kinds of music. I get that. But you need to know something about the life of Johann Sebastian Bach. You need to at least know about the life of this man. He was orphaned when he was nine years old. His mother died when he was nine. His father died when he was ten. He was raised by his older brother who was 16 or 17 years older than he was who lived in another town and he hardly knew him. He finally found the the, the love of his life, his new young bride. And they lost, I think it was either their first or their second child, uh, didn't live to adulthood. He was on a journey out of town, off at another court playing some some uh, music, and he, and he came back and he walked through the door and he found out at that time that his wife had died. He remarried. His first marriage was very happy. His second marriage was very happy. Mm, you're going to love this. They had 20 children. Ten lived to adulthood. This man that we generally recognize as at least being a pretty good musician and very famous was buried in an unmarked grave and they couldn't find the grave for 200 years. Finally found it and moved him and now you can find his, his grave there in Germany. Well, what's the point? The point is, in the midst of life, in the midst of joy, as we've talked about, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of all of these experiences, right in the middle of his life, he could write Jesu joy of man's desiring. Jesus, 
joy of man's desiring. Jesus' fulfillment of all of our desires. Recognizing that God, through Christ, would never leave him or forsake him. In fact, we're going to play a little bit of that behind communion a little later in the service. But I want to close with this. These words aren't in the bulletin. These are some of the original words. And remember, he's writing this right in the middle of this life that I've just described to you, and there's much, much more. Um, But he writes about Jesus, and there's a turning point in these original words to the song where he starts talking to Jesus. Here it is. Well, for me that I have Jesus... Oh, how strong I hold to him. Jesus have I who loves me. He remains my joy, my heart's comfort. He is my life's strength. And then he starts, it's almost as if he loses himself and he starts to talk to Jesus himself. Listen to this. Jesus, delight of my soul. Jesus, my best pleasure. Jesus, my son of joy. Jesus, it is well known to you how much I love you from my heart and I am distressed without you. Therefore, Jesus, come to me. Stay with me forever and ever. Jesus, my refuge and deliverer. Jesus, the ground of my confidence. Jesus, mighty trampler of the serpent. Jesus, light of my life. How my heart longs for you, dear Jesus, painfully longs for you. Come, oh come, I wait for you, oh come, dearest Jesus. My prayer is that that would be your prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the longings that you've given us, the desires that you've given us, and yet we recognize we live in this hard and fallen and sinful world. And yet Jesus is our delight. Jesus is our pleasure. Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our refuge. Jesus is our deliverer. Our hearts long for him. Our hope is in a person the person of Christ. Lord, as we prepare our hearts to come to the table, we pray that you would come, just as this very prayer we've just read, we pray that you would come and that you would meet us. And Lord, I pray for anyone who doesn't know you, who is resisting, who is fighting, who is struggling, who is angry. angry. I pray that they drop their weapons and run to you, place their faith in you, and you alone for for their salvation, knowing that the quest is all about you, the longing is all about you, the desiring is all about you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.